Welcome to Connect the Dots podcast, presented by Nine Dots and hosted by Jeffrey Klein. We explore stories of success and their multitude of dots that are connected along the way. Sharing these stories, our aim is to provide some context to the path of success, which is often paved with obstacles, challenges, victories, and celebrations. Thank you for listening. Here is your host, Jeffrey. I'm really jazzed about this episode's guest, Sharon Pinkinson. She's really impacted two things I absolutely love. One, the city of Philadelphia, and two, movies. And she's really made Philadelphia a film town and attracting people here to shoot, which is fantastic. She's simply an inspiration, and I'm so thrilled that she's agreed to be on this podcast. So hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. I am so excited by my guest this episode. It's Sharon Pinkinson, who has served as the executive director of the Greater Philadelphia Film Office for 25 years during the terms of four mayors and six governors. Sharon has been responsible for all aspects of the office since 1992. Under Sharon's leadership, the Greater Philadelphia Film Office has been responsible for $4 billion of economic impact to the southeastern Pennsylvania region. As it attracts film and TV productions, it has done an amazing job of making Philly a film town. Uh, Sharon was instrumental in the 2004 passage of the Pennsylvania Film Production Tax Credit Program that continues to be one of the best and most sustainable incentive programs in the industry. In July of 2016, Sharon launched Billy Penn Music, a music sync agency wholly owned by the GPFO, which represents all genre of musical artists, with Pennsylvania roots for licensing their music in films, TV, games, online ads, and everywhere that music is desired. Uh, some of the great movies that have come to Philadelphia include, and TV have included Trading Places, Philadelphia, Boy Meets World, Silver Linings Playbook, The Sixth Sense, Pretty Little Liars, National Treasure, and the recent M. Night Shyamalan split. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you for being here. I'm really excited. So I like to start at the beginning. So please can you tell us where you were born and what your parents did for a living? I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I spent um, 10 years in, from 5 to 15 in Levittown, Pennsylvania. And uh, what did my parents do? My, my, my family had a business at Third Market, which was the wholesale to the public neighborhood. Um, they had a shirt corner, pants corner, tie corner, and my uh, grandfather had a neckwear factory at 12 North 3rd Street. Uh, prior to my dad joining the family business, he was a traveling salesman, which is why we lived in Levittown, because that's where all of the traveling salesmen moved once they built the Pennsylvania Turnpike. So I am a traveling salesman's daughter, whatever <laughs> that means. I've never actually found out. So that leads me to the next way, which is, so when you were growing up with the traveling salesman father and, and these, you know, kind of... Um, retail or wholesale um, operators in the, in the clothing business. Was there any lesson you learned as a kid that kind of had a big impact on how you approach life? I learned so much during the years when they were in business there. I worked every, I worked all the time. I worked since I was a little kid. So I learned to take cash in the Thai store where my mother and grandmother and uncle worked. Um, and I learned how to sew in my grandfather's factory Wow. Um, and I learned the value of hard work 
versus how do you get money. Amazing. Uh, and when you were a kid, was, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Was it to go in the family business or did you have other aspirations? No, I wanted to be a costume designer. Why? <laughs> Why does she want to be a costume I wanted to be a costume designer because I was in love with the movies. From the time I was old enough to read, I would read all of the credits. And I was fascinated by the costumes. And I realized that there was a job called a costume designer. And I did not play with dolls when I was little, but I did make doll clothes. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, and can you think of any particular defining moment of your childhood? So you, want, you were around clothing all the time and, and manufacturing clothing. Um, was there a moment where you're like, where you, that decision was made, where you said, this is what I want to do? No. That was quite the opposite, really. I, um, when I tried my first couple of careers and I was trying to figure out what to do next, it seemed obvious to do what I knew. I grew up learning about Open to Buy and about uh, the Beat Yesterday book <laughs> and, um, and the trials and tribulations of retail, and I knew how to do that, so I just kind of fell into it. I opened a boutique uh, in uh, 1977 wow. in my 20s. Star Wars year, always very good. <laughs> so um, that's, how I, that's how I kind of entered the- And aside from your parents or maybe your other family, was there anyone you kind of looked up to as a role model when you were growing up? Oh, I had lots of role models growing up, but I was in love with John F. Kennedy. Um, my entire family was in love with John F. Kennedy, so I came by it naturally. <laughs> <laughs> good, good role model to have. Um, what was your first, so you, had, you talked about working in different, what was your first paying job? Were you a kid my still? First pay, my first paying job, I, I, I mean, I had a lemonade stand. That mm. doesn't count, does it? Sure it does. <laughs> Did they pay you? <laughs> Not much, but yes, there was an exchange of coins. Um, and I think my, I never worked um, for other people when I was very young. I, I worked in the family mm -hmm. business. And they paid you? And I got paid, yes. Yeah. Excellent for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pay my children yet for working, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> did you go to college? I did, of course, and yes. what was your major, and I how did that shape your Temple early career? I went to University. Oh, local girl, um, love it. And I, um, I went as a freshman, like everybody else, not having a clue what they were going to do other than to get a higher education. Um, and I got engaged during freshman orientation at 18 years Whoa. old, at 17 years old. And I got married right after my freshman year. Uh, and my fiance was going to go to dental school, so we didn't have any money. So I changed course and went to Temple Dental School for the dental hygiene program. So I could get through in two years. That's commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that it is about 10 minutes prior to the start of the sexual revolution. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and, and so I, I got a dental hygiene uh, certificate and uh, associate degree, and I continued to finish my bachelor's. What I was your a, major? I got a BS in ed, um, and I, although I never taught. And... Uh, or I teach all the time, but right. I didn't. I didn't I have a, a formal job of teaching, and I um, and I 
practice dental hygiene part-time and full-time until I finish my degree. So while you're finishing your degree in education and working as a dental hygienist, how did that fit into your dream of being a costume designer? Was that still what you wanted to do even during all of those things? I don't think I was thinking about that then. I was still, I, I still like to sew though, and I was making my own clothes. To sell or for yourself? No, for myself. Well, that's awesome. So when did you realize to make the shift to, did you become a costume designer? I believe you did. I did. Um, well, I, I um, the next thing I did was open my boutique plush mm -hmm. Tahiti. Um, and uh, because I needed to get away from the first husband <laughs> and from dental hygiene and from dentistry and from all of that. We don't want to offend any dental hygienists here. It's just a <laughs> wonderful career for some. I actually loved it while I was doing it. Um, and then uh, I loved every job I've ever had. And then I, um, I, I opened the boutique and I loved it. It was great fun. I started designing clothes for the boutique. I made my own collection, which was the Plage Tahiti collection. And, uh, and it, was, it was very successful. It was a great run of a few years. And frankly, um, the, uh, the interest rates went to like 22, 25% around the early 80s. And it was nearly impossible to stay in business. Um, uh, I also had a, a lot of other challenges in both my marriage. Um, I had a little girl. Um, seven years into the marriage and uh, and I felt like we needed we needed a big change the hardest part of all or just as hard as part was the fact that the the clothing business uh, was being um, eviscerated because of the AIDS crisis and it was an incredibly depressing time and I had lots of friends who were sick and I just needed to get out of that business I really was very, very depressed by it. Sorry to be a downer no. here. But it was so really what happened tough. after then? So, you, you so I sold through. my business. I uh -huh. sold my business to friends who had another boutique, a number of boutiques. They took over and they hired me to be their, uh, their full-time designer yeah. and manufacturer. And I continued to do the line, but then I wanted to get out. And somebody hired me. To, I told them that I was leaving, and somebody hired me uh, to do a television commercial as a stylist. So that, and that's, that, how, that's how it all began. It all uh, began. What was the, do you remember what the television commercial was for? I sure do. <laughs> Go on. Um, it was a WMMR rock and roll radio station, and they had a promotion called The Morning Zoo. And so they wanted me to dress them all. Here's a throwback for you. They wanted me to dress all the DJs as Sandinista gorillas. When was the last time you heard of Sandinista gorillas? Or ever. <laughs> for those who don't know what that is, Google it. <laughs> so, you need to understand some history. So, um, so that was very easy to dress DJs as Sandinista gorillas because nobody really knew it kind of. There were gorillas, so it was the army uniforms. So I could do all of that in an army navy store. But they also wanted me to dress the chimp, who was the there hero. Was a chimp. There was a chimp. Oh, fantastic! So um, had you worked with animals before? I had not worked with animals before. <laughs> had you worked with animals Forever, since? No, but <laughs> uh, but I did not want to go near the chimp. They're very very strong. And they have libidos. 
<laughs> so they, I got the measurements from the trainer. You know, they have very long arms and very short legs and very big hat size. So you really couldn't buy uniforms for them. So I had to make them, which is really why I got the job because at that point I was the only stylist in Philadelphia who was technical, right. who could make something from scratch. And that's my how wife says, my career. And, yeah, that's, I, I love the fact that people can actually make stuff. I'm trying to get my children. To learn how. So my son actually, my daughters are not interested in sewing, but my son is. Well, that's great. So, uh, well, it, it, we'll see where it goes. So you you do this first commercial with a did, did it when you did this first project? Did that make you want to do more, or did it turn you off? Like because I you're like, oh, I don't work it. with monkeys anymore. I absolutely loved it. That I could see that this was where I wanted to be working with a team, mm -hmm. um, the, a lot of creatives, a lot of people who had the kinds of skills that I had, which were, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good with the hammer, and I'm good with, I can fix things, I'm, I have that kind of brain. I'm a good problem solver. And so being on set with a bunch of people who were creatives and who knew how to fix things and make things and create things and design things, uh, that was, that did it for me. I, I have to go it. back just because I'm curious, people may wonder, so what, how did you dress the chimpanzee? What was he wearing? Was he also? Oh no, he was also in a Sandinista uh, gorilla so outfit. But it was, <laughs> but it was he. It, it it had to be made specially for him. <laughs> I'm sure he loved it. <laughs> so okay, you're you're working as a stylist and a a costume. Yes. Director so at the same time. A, what, a tell us the difference designer. between the two different between um, costume it, designer it's a and a stylist. Level. In in order to be a costume designer. You're, um, you're actually creating the look. If you're a, um, a costumer, you're, you know, there's lots of different, and there are people as a, as a, as a costume, um, as a costumer, a set costumer, you're, uh, you're basically dressing the actors, um, maybe doing some minor alterations, taking care of the clothing, making sure they're ready for the next day. I mean, it's the whole wardrobe department. If you were the costume designer, you're the head of that department. So you're doing the creatives, you are designing the clothes, you are working with the people who are going to actually make them. Um, and you know, there's dying and aging of things, you know, and make and continuity is your mm -hmm. uh, main concern because if somebody has their sleeves rolled up in one scene and then two days later you do the continuation of that scene, you have to make sure that the sleeves are rolled up exactly the same way. So being a costume designer was good preparation for dealing with productions that you now deal with now. Having that knowledge of actually being in the trenches, I assume, is useful for what you do? Uh, most definitely. I, I don't think that... I think at the time when I became film commissioner, I was probably the only film commissioner who actually came from crew right. working on set. So. Um, so it was a very easy transition for me. I, I understood what the producers needed. I understood what the directors needed. I understood what the crew needed. And I, and I understood the economics of it. And so how did you make that transition? Did, did, were you looking to get out of being a costume designer? Did this, what was the path that got you from where you were to the film commission? Well, in 1991 in Philadelphia, there was a mayor, mayoral race. Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't realize that was so hard to say. <laughs> um, and, um, and the people who were running, the two gentlemen who were running for mayor was the uh, formist, former and ever controversial Frank Rizzo, mm -hmm. who was trying to become mayor again. And he was running against um, 
uh, Ed Rendell, who had been district attorney and had, I think, already once ran and, and did not win election. And right to, up to the end of that mayoral campaign, Frank Rizzo died. Wow. So it was very obvious who was going to be the new mayor. <laughs> Um, and this, may, this new, going well, to be new mayor, was talking about economic development. Philadelphia had been very depressed uh, economically. There, it was uh, known as being dangerous and dirty and very non-progressive. And, uh, and so Ed Rendell was talking about all the things that I believed in. And I was very excited. Um, and he was talking about, as I said, economic development and, and the, the arts and how mm. bringing the arts to a, a center place in Philadelphia and, and elevated as an, a very important initiative in, in his administration was very exciting to me. But he was talking about the arts, but he wasn't talking about film. So I was on the executive committee of the IATSE local that I belonged to, because I was crew, mm -hmm. so I was union crew. And, um, and I went to the meeting, I said, you know, we've got this new mayor coming in and he's talking about arts and culture and economic development, but he's not talking about film. So guys, we have to go talk to him. And they said, okay, you do it. <laughs> Sometime you, you you volunteered yourself there, didn't you? Well, I actually, you know, thought that a bunch of us would go, but I said okay. So I during the after the election and during the transition in the fall of that year, um, I invited him to lunch, and I he said yes. Yeah, that's always a good start. And that was a big help. Um, and I uh, I came with a proposal for the Greater Philadelphia Film Office. The Film Office had been in existence since 1985. It hadn't had a director or any full-time staff except for a civil servant secretary mm -hmm. um, for two and a half years. So it was a phone number that I knew by heart, which is my phone number now, <laughs> that I w we would all be calling all the time saying, is anything coming in? And the secretary would say, Oh yeah, yeah. We you know we're getting calls all the time. Keep calling. What was that? So, uh, I um, I the best for crew members to try to look for opportunities. Yeah, we were looking for work. Yeah. So we, um, uh, I guess the I proposed a, a regional film office at mm -hmm. the time. Regionalism was the brand new flavor of the month, and so I proposed that instead of just having a Philadelphia film office, we have one that represents the five-county region. And he loved my idea. He made some signature moves. <laughs> Anybody who knows him would was probably laughing on the other side, um, and you know, banging his his uh, hand into his fist and foam coming out of the corners of his <laughs> mouth, um, God love him, and, and, um, and he told me that he needed a business plan. Well, uh, okay, I had, you, I had run a business, business yeah, so I, I wasn't, I knew how to write a business plan, and I went back and wrote it on my daughter's Apple IIc computer. Nice. <laughs> I wish I had that, it would probably be yeah. worth something, not. Um, so, uh, it's a very long story, but ultimately people started he started talking about a film commission in Philadelphia. So when you were at the committee and you said, hey, we need to go talk to the mayor, and they said, okay, you go, and you go with this proposal, did you have in your mind that you would be the one running it? 
No, I what I actually no. In the beginning, what I thought was oh, this will be great. There'll be a film commissioner, and we'll all have more work because nobody was paying attention. There was nobody minding the store. And you didn't think so. You weren't looking to get involved in that as a job. You were looking that to help you in your other job. Yeah, to help me in my job, which right. is being a freelance costume right. designer. And we would get more work in Philadelphia. And I was first call as costume designer, so you know I was getting. Overtime, golden time, you know, I was doing great as a single parent, um, but we needed more work. So, so did Mayor Rendell then say, you're going to do, how, how did it come out that you ended well, up being he started, the, now he started, after that, he started talking about how he wanted to rejuvenate the film office and what it was going to do and basically followed my script. And, um, and then I think what happened was I, um, I realized that a lot of people who didn't know anything about the business, mm. thought that being film commissioner would be a really great, fun <laughs> job in this new administration and that they could meet all the movie stars. And I started to get upset um, because we didn't just need right. somebody who wanted to have lunch with Harrison Ford. Right. We wanted somebody um, who was going to help us get the business and understand the business. And that's when, I, that's when the light bulb clicked. Um, mm. And so, um, so then I, I decided that I was going to have to take this job. And like, then the get it right, second week, done right, you got to do it yourself. Second week <laughs> of the administration, I got appointed the film commissioner. So, and that was twenty-five and a half years ago. Wow. So at this point, uh, one, of, one of the things I ask people, you know, we're interviewing people who have successful careers. Was there a point where you said? I'm a success. Was it when you were a costume designer or somewhere in your role as executive director, you're like, I've made it or you know, this, this is what success looks like? I don't know. I, honestly, there was always so much more to do that I never really felt like that. I've always been adding on to everything. Even still, 25, oh, 25 oh, years later. Absolutely. We just started GPFO Next. So which is a, a whole new group that we're working on. So, yes, um, we're, we're constantly growing and changing and adding on things that we do as a film office. We're unlike other film commissions because we, we have a program called Greater Philadelphia Filmmakers, which in addition to all the basic film commission work of working with filmmakers and, um, and reaching out to try to bring productions and solving problems on shows and uh, working with crew, the... the you know, we have a pure nonprofit side um, where we do educational programming um, for the local indigenous film community and those who would like to be a part of that community. So uh, we. So do it's not just a, so your role has always been about not just attracting productions here, but to grow the kind of film crews and 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 producers and things. The from whole, Philly. The whole mission. I mean, we started yeah. um, a set in Philadelphia screenwriting competition. Which has been going for many, many years now, and it's it's you know it's it's quite a big competition. We just added a uh, a prize for the best set in Philadelphia screenplay by a you know a non-white minority mm -hmm. screenwriter. Um, so you know there's the best set in Philadelphia screenplay written by anyone anywhere. There's the regional prize for the best set in Philadelphia screenplay written by somebody who lives in the five counties or in the region. Um, there is a student one, there is, uh, there is a, a pilot script, best, uh, best pilot script screenplay, the, and now we've just added this, this other one. So 
it, every everything keeps growing. We and how so in the last twenty five actually twenty five plus because your customers are. What do you think is next for the film industry and the TV industry in general? In general, well, the industry is changing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's recognized that. I mean, TV has become the the place where um, where storytelling has become much more robust than it has in film in many ways. And mm. that's when you get the opportunity for long form. Instead of long form on the big screen, it's it's serialized. It's mm. you can tell stories that are um, much deeper, uh, much more robust, um, and longer stories. And do you think the the avenues of distribution with the internet and, and Netflix and streaming. How do you think that's impacting whether people are going to film here? Does that have any impact on that? Well, it's just more, it's, it's more, it's actually grown the business. So there are a lot more people doing a lot more content. So with all these different kinds of distribution uh, streams, there's just, it, it's just a gigantic pot now. It's not just how many screens are out there. There's countless ways that we can watch content on our you know on our Apple right. watches from you know from that to the big screen and you know and on on TV and on your computer and every manner of distribution that we have now uh, what's next for Sharon well um, some of which I can't talk about okay. but, <laughs> uh, but you, we, what you can started, share that's well it's not what's it's what's next for the greater Philadelphia film office really um, what's next for me is far too personal <laughs> no professionally um, professionally, <laughs> professionally. Um, well we've actually using the word next we've actually started a, a, a well we started a new division last year mm -hmm. called Billy Penn music as you mentioned in your opening which um, we are sync reps for um, for basically Pennsylvania-based artists. Can, of you, which can you explain what a sync rep is for uh, people who are not Anytime you, you hear music on a TV commercial mm -hmm. or in a film or any kind of medium, what's in-store promotion, any kind of medium whatsoever, that's not free music. Um, mm -hmm. Musical artists have to get paid, and in order to... Um, to be able to use that music, there's you have to license that music. So, um, so there's a couple of kinds of licenses, and you have to have all of them, um, or both of them, I should say. So there's a performance um, and a publishing mm -hmm. license, and uh, you have to make sure that you have the appropriate licenses and the owners of the material, which sometimes is a complicated number of people, has to be cleared. And that's an entire business, which is called Sync. Um, and we represent mostly um, artists who have connections to Pennsylvania, but in every genre. So we have the entire recorded catalog of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Oh. You can license from us the Hallelujah Chorus from Beethoven's Ninth, or from emerging hip hop artists um, from anywhere that you know that maybe just recorded somewhere in in Pennsylvania, um, but or they may just be on the corner. Just and what was the catalyst? To, you've got the film office. You've been doing amazing for 25 years. You're like, I'm not going to start a music division. Was it? Had you been thinking about that for a long time, or it was something you that kind of organically well, grew? Well, it's funny how it happened. Um, I was. I don't remember what I was listening to or watching. I really don't. I just know that I saw on some kind of medium, mm -hmm. a blurb that said that Philadelphia is the best place in America to see live, to listen to live music. 
to actually right. go and experience live music. And I was like, what? Really? Because, <laughs> you know, I, um, I knew Gamble and Huff. I know them. Um, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff and Sounds of Philadelphia. And great guys. And they retired and sold their catalog to Warner Chapel. And it was like a death knell. It was like the, the sound of Philadelphia is not in Philadelphia anymore. You know, it's, there's no new energy, I thought. I thought it was gone, and it was very sad. And when I heard that it's the best place to see live music, I started, I Googled live music venues in Philadelphia. And, it, and I, when I got to 110, I said, wow. holy shit, you know, <laughs> this is amazing. And, um, and I thought, you know, somebody's got it be getting this message out there. There's such an incredible amount of, of talent that's putting out new music in so many different genres uh, that, that there, and there's no gamble and huff. So right. I, we started researching. I started looking into it and I had, knew nothing about the business, absolutely nothing. Um, and, and spent and a, about a year and a half learning. So you're supported by the, by Philadelphia? You mean financially? Like, yeah. Uh, so it's a crazy quilt of, okay. of, you know, some some government, the city of Philadelphia. So did you have to go and speak to someone when you decided to kind of create well, I have this? A, I'm a, we're a nonprofit, so we have right. a board of directors. Sure. Um, so, yes, I spoke to my board about it. And, um, and, uh, and we said we were going to do a little trial company, um, try to figure it out, and uh, underwrite it through the film office. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not a lot of expenses involved, so let's see if we could get some traction on that. And the first year we spent really trying to build our catalog. So it's called Billy Penn Music, BillyPennMusic.com. Check it out; it's really amazing. Um, I think it'd be very impressive. And, and is, is it both a place for artists as well as people who are looking for music? Yes. So anybody can go on BillyPennMusic.com and uh, see our entire list of of, of uh, talent, all of the music, listen mm -hmm. to all of the music. Um, you have to sign up with a free password in order to hear more than 10 seconds of any song, <laughs> but, um, but it's free and, um, and anybody can license it. So you can license music for your wedding video mm -hmm. or for your blockbuster feature film or your podcast. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> so I want to ask you, if you didn't end up in the film industry and, and you didn't end up working originally as a costume designer, say you were going to do something outside of the film world, you know, what career do you think you might have ended up having? Well, I, I'll answer that by telling you what career I wanted to have that I haven't mentioned at all. Okay. I always imagined myself as a physician. I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, but because I married at 18, because my the circumstances of my life um, uh, led me in another direction, a great direction. Uh, at the point at which I was thinking about um, what was I going to do in terms of the, when I started Paj Tahiti, before I started that, I was struggling because I knew I wanted to get out of the mm -hmm. dental hygiene. I thought about going to medical school because I, you know, to become a dental hygienist, I had histology and biology and my, microbiology and physiology and histology. I don't know. I was like, you know, I, I, so, Autobiology. and I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would be a great doctor. And in those, at that particular time in history, you really couldn't, um, women couldn't 
go back to school after mm -hmm. at, the, in my, at 27. You couldn't go to medical school, um, which was just horrifying to me. So then I thought I'd go to law school. So I took LSATs and I got into law school and I said, why am I doing this? I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> Good for you. We have enough lawyers. <laughs> so... Um, no offense to lawyers. So that was that was the that was the answer, and I married a recovering lawyer actually. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I am a law school graduate, never practiced. Is there a time? Can you think of like the most surprising place you found yourself in your career, whether it was a job or a location or talking to someone you probably wouldn't have imagined? Well, you know, very early, very early on in in my career as film commissioner, I had extraordinary experience. The very first film I worked, I mean, everything I've done has been amazing to me. You know, I'm, I'm constantly fascinated by the opportunity and, and how much I love my job. Um, so the very first day, before I actually started as film commissioner, I went on a, a scout. There was a scout coming to town to, to do a film that was supposed to be set in Washington, D.C., but they couldn't shoot in Washington, and they were looking for places, and, and I, and I, I had never gone on a scout before <laughs> with a location uh, manager and, uh, or a location scout. And I took him around, and that very first day, we ended up in the Academy of Music because I was taking him to these iconic Washington-type locations. And uh, Luciano Pavarotti was in rehearsal. Oh, that was the first day of, my first day of work. We sat there and watched Luciano Pavarotti in rehearsal. So that, and then the very first film I ever worked on was with Martin Scorsese. I mean, and the second film I worked on was with Jonathan Demme, May He Rest in Peace, who I got to the, the great pleasure and honor of working with him in two films and to be able to call him my friend. Um, and it was very sad to lose him at such a young age recently. Mm. So, um, but so I, I know, mean, what was the second? I know Philadelphia. The second was Beloved with Beloved. Oprah Winfrey mm -hmm. and Danny Glover. Mm -hmm. Great yeah. book, great movie. Yeah. So I, I like to, people are thinking about the path that you've taken. If you could go back and change one decision you made, you know, what would it be? Um, well, I wouldn't have gotten married at 18. And at the time when I was applying to college, I applied to, my, I was the first person in my family to graduate college. And I, certainly the first girl, but I think the first person. And, and so I... Uh, I got accepted to Penn State on main campus at a time when that was a really big deal. Mm. But my fiance was going to Temple, um, and I waited and waited and waited till the last minute, and mm. then I got into Temple. Um, and I rescinded my Penn State main campus. I should have gone to Penn State. <laughs> Go Lions. <laughs> no, well, I love Temple. I actually I, am a huge Temple supporter, and it wasn't about the school. It was about... The path that my that's that would have changed the path of my life most certainly. I not understand. that that would that might not have been a good decision. Well, I, I always quote John Lennon, which is "Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans." Exactly. Yes. So, this question I have to ask you specifically uh, with your position is: if you could have any movie star who hasn't yet filmed in Philadelphia come, who would it be? Well, Jeffrey, <laughs> I must admit that we did have a little chat about this before, mm -hmm. and you're quite right, George Clooney. 
<laughs> would be would be that one person that I think would and uh, where are we you actively almost, work, are you actively working on it? Well, I mean, there's no such thing. You know, there really isn't. There's you know, you you follow up an opportunity. But I did scout for a movie that he has coming out very soon called Suburbicon which is set in Levittown, Pennsylvania, which I was so excited to scout for this which movie since you, I grew up. So mm -hmm. I spent, I lived in two different Levittown houses, um, one the poorest house and the other the most expensive house, neither of which was, <laughs> you know, the, the really expensive one was, I think, a $20,000 house. And the, 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 the other, the poorest one was a dollars hundred dollars down on the GI Bill. I don't think you can, you know, update a house for that little. Yeah, I mean, you can't buy a car for $10,000. Unbelievable. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to ask you uh, nine rapid-fire questions. So just off the cuff, um, first thing that comes to your head. Some of them are easy. Uh, you don't have to even think okay. about Okay. So is it better to be a planner or a doer? Doer. Are you a risk-taker or more risk-averse? I'm a risk taker. Is it better to connect with people online or offline? Offline. What's more important, the journey or the destination? The journey, but that's a, that's a softball. I'm trying to make it easy for you. <laughs> All right, here's a hard one then. All right. Name something that's on your bucket list. I'm a, I'm a travel bug, so mm -hmm. I want to go to all the places that I haven't been. What, where, where, name one that you're... Russia. Russia. Awesome. What would one book you would recommend to sort of help people be more successful, whether it be in film or just in, in life in general? I, don't, I, I love... I, I, I like to read fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to read historical fiction. That's my favorite. I know that wasn't a, a fast answer, but I just like... I'd like to know about how people... Are, and mm -hmm. I think you get them better out of fiction books than you do out of nonfiction. Now, this is a the tougher question. So, name one of your favorite movies. Philadelphia. That was easy. That's perfect. And that was easy. <laughs> you know, we changed the world with that movie. Mm -hmm. so, it's amazing. I, I mean, that that's incredibly impactful, and it was with Jonathan. And mm -hmm. I could give you a, a, a list beyond that, but Philadelphia is always my best. What would the title of your autobiography be? Think pink. Love it. <laughs> if you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. I don't know. That's a, can we come back to that one? I have sure. to think about that. Well, You're not supposed to, I know. Inventing something. So, so while you think about that, uh, you've been wonderful on coming and speaking with me. You mentioned Billy Penn uh, music. Is there anything else of this you know you want to promote, share with people? Yeah, about we're just we're launching up? GPFO next. Um, so G how do people find GPFO that? GPFO next is um, we're it's we're actually just launching it next week. We're actually having wow. a party next week, so you've got to come, Jeffrey. It's wow. it's going to be at New Millennium Studio. Thank you for inv the invitation. <laughs> and um, and GPFO next is the. Um, it is an, a membership organization of students, um, college students in the Philadelphia area, recent graduates and those who are looking for work, and the professional community, and all of which are people in film, music, television, marketing, um, and it's That's kind awesome. of a convergence. It's going to be monthly activities, 
Um, and how do people find out about it? Where do they go? Uh, go right now, the best place to go is to uh, film.org. And how did you get that domain? How do we get um, how do we get film.org? Okay, so as you know, I've been doing this for a very long time, and frankly, when the internet came out and people were having to get websites, um, and they were saying, um, you know, Jeffrey Klein in Philadelphia.com, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous. You know, I want the I want the fastest, easiest one. It's a fantastic. And one. I tried to get film.com, and it was already taken. But film.org wasn't, and we were a nonprofit anyway. So bingo. So how do people find you or film.org? Film.org. And yeah. then are you on social media at all? Yeah, um, yeah. So where I'm, do they find? I'm Pinkarina on Pink uh, Twitter. Um, I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram. And and is the film office on those as well? Oh yeah, film office so. is all over social media. Um, great. So uh, we're we're pretty much finished except for your invention. Uh, do you want to give that another thought about what you would be credited with inventing? I would be credited with inventing a collagen replacer. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, Sharon, I really appreciate your time. This has been really fun. Thank you so much, and thank you for helping us connect the dots. Hey there, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for giving me your attention. I appreciate your time. And if you made it this far to this outro, that means you may have listened to the whole podcast, which is awesome. My hope is you got some value, some little nugget out of this piece of edutainment. If so, I'd be very grateful if you would subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a glowing review, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. You can visit our website, Nine Dots Podcast, for all the deep, rich content. Thanks again for helping me connect the dots.